So the big question is this, how do veterinarians like you, who live demanding lives, who never seem to have enough time, able to achieve balance and take control of your finances with confidence? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. We are Florida Veterinary Advisors, and this is the Smarter Vet Podcast. Hey, Smarter Vets. Welcome back to another episode of the Smarter Vet Financial Podcast. This is one of your hosts, Tom Seco, and co-owner of Florida Veterinary Advisors. If you are a frequent listener, we're really glad that you're here and you keep listening to our show. We really appreciate you being one of those people supporting us ongoing. And if you aren't sharing our episodes with others, please make sure to share them with at least a friend or two of yours. Uh, And if this is your first time joining us, we're glad to have you. Like, I'm actually very excited that you're here and this is the first show that you're listening to. I've got a really fun guest that I'm going to be bringing on, and I'm actually going to be doing a multiple different episodes with him because there's different subjects and topics that would be good for us to delve in. And I think most of you who are listening would probably enjoy that. And before we jump in, we've got a lot of other great resources through our website. And if you haven't checked them out, make sure to take a moment after this show to go browse our website. You can find our podcast there. We also have a five-part video course at no cost to you. And we also have master classes that are going to be getting released shortly as well. So keep posted for all of those. And if you're not on our newsletter, make sure to subscribe. I've gotten to know this gentleman for quite some time now. He's a really good guy. We've bumped into each other on many occasions through Vet Partners, and uh, they're doing a lot of great things within VetMed. The person who I have on the show with me today, his name is Peter Tanella. Uh, he's actually the chair of the National Veterinary Law Group at Mendelbaum Barrett. They're based out of New York. Just totally kidding. It's New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> and they do represent clientele across the United States. So I think this is going to be a great conversation today. We're going to talk a lot about associate buy-in. So Peter, it's, I think it's great to have you on the show with me today. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Whether yeah. I'm in New Jersey or New York, either one. It's all good. Just <laughs> <laughs> throw away, right? Yep. So one thing is just for people who aren't familiar with you. Could you just take a moment to introduce where your starting was? How'd you get into vet med and where you are now? Sure. Um, you know, like many of my, our colleagues in the industry, our origin started in, in, in the dental world about 15 years ago. And we saw an opportunity while working with dentists to get into the veterinary industry. And we, we ended up working with one client who did an acquisition. And that one client turned into two clients, turned into three clients. And over a period of time, it's just grown into no, I practice, which takes up my, all my time now, as well as several team members that we have. That's really awesome to hear. It seems that dental too has been very similar to vet med for the most part. And they did go through a very similar transition like we are in the industry right now. Is that right? People will say if dental's here, veterinary med, vet med is here in terms of what's going on. You'll have human medicine, dental, and then vet here. And you're seeing in the dental side, a lot of the consolidation was taken off and vet med followed right behind it. They almost now they're kind of almost like side by side what's going on. But a lot of the a lot of the industry participants in vet med are also on, were were or or were or currently are on dental. A, a lot of the vendors were. So it's just uh, a lot of us when you start asking vendors that you meet or other colleagues where did you get your start from, it'll say, well, I was doing dental you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. We have a similar history. That's really cool. I find it very fascinating because I, I never had any involvement with dental before all of this. Like it was literally vet med 2014 and it's been hardcore ever since then. So it's, it's interesting right. to see how there's been that transition for a lot of people. A lot of us too, you, you started, you were in dental, you dipped your toe over in the vet, you're doing a little bit of both. 
But then, you know, you, you really, what I've learned, and at least with our group, you can't do both. So we, we have a, a, we have a deep vertical and dental, which one of my partners shares, and then I share the, the, the vet side. And it just, there's just so much work and there's so many relationships to cultivate. You can't, I, I find what our practice, you can't do both. Mm. It's one, so it's, it's been real interesting. And, and personally, I love working in vet med so much better. And I think anybody you talk with will tell you the same thing. They really like the people that you're working with. Mm. Not only the, you know, the industry professionals, but the clients. It, it's just different. Of course. I started in human medicine actually before vet med and it's completely the, the comparison and contrast it's it's night and day so 100 <laughs> percent. well 100 percent. but the, this subject today as we want to talk about so like the the big conversation with the the constant shifting environment that we're in where there's been corporate buyers that were very hot and heavy and then the fed started adjusting interest rates and then it almost seems like there's been this massive transition lately to where now more associate veterinarians are looking to purchase into practices. And with all of this happening, I'm curious to know, what would you find is like a big challenge that most of them are running into or where they're getting it wrong from the beginning part? I think the valuation to the practices is still a, a big issue that uh, everybody's having. And if you, you hit the nail on the head. I think over the last three years, there was a lot of corporate consolidation going on. Values were all over the place and very inflated. And now it seems like the pendulum is switching back. The, the values have been reset. They had to get reset. So now there's a lot, there's a, a big desire for vets to buy into practices. And also my, I'm finding a lot of our clients who want to sell again to their associates. I think over the last three years, there was, was so much consolidation going on in the corporate market and the numbers were so large, you didn't see that happening as much. But now with resetting, the numbers are, they're still, they're not close, but they're closer. So there is an opportunity for an associate to buy into a practice. And I'm seeing that a lot more, which, and, and those are really fun transactions to work on. Absolutely. I know that the, the multiples that were, we were experiencing previously were unbelievable to a certain extent. And then it, of course it's becoming like, it's normalizing a little bit more. It's becoming back kind of right. resetting. And are you finding that a lot of these practice owners that are trying to transition, is it more of a, the practice owner wants to bring in an associate or is it more of the associate that's starting the conversation with the owner? Like, which way do you see it? I think it's a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. the, the, the practice owners would love to bring the associates on board. One, if they can have, find the associate and two, if they have a good associate, they want to hold on to them. Mm -hmm. I think you talk to anybody who's working in this industry, they, they know the big white elephant is finding enough talent to work in your practice and also to compete with a lot of the corporate consolidators. You want to be in a position where you can offer some type of equity in some capacity, whether it's capital equity or no profit interest, so that you, you're competing with the consolidators who are always willing to offer equity to any associate because they want to create a stickiness, a bond, so they don't lose that associate. So when they're looking to bring them in, really, we want to make sure that they're going to stay here. We don't want to lose them. And of course, I'm sure that the, the veterinarian that's working there wants to actually feel that they have a little bit more connection, I would imagine, with the, the practice that's going on there. And when owners and the associates are looking to make this connection and they want to establish this buy-in, where do you see that many of them are doing things 
probably not the best way that they possibly could. Like, what are some areas that they're approaching it? And then you're like, yeah, well, this, we probably should take a step back here and tweak or adjust this based off of the conversations that you're having. I think the number one issue is to communicate. I always emphasize communication uh, with the, with the, the associate and the, the practice owner. The more they can communicate, the easier our job's going to be and the better chance of that relationship is going to survive. I always make the analogy to personal relationships. So you're going to go into a personal relationship. There's an issue. You've got to communicate. Get away from the email. Get away from the text. When we're in the middle of a transaction, whether we're representing the practice owner or you're representing the associate and an issue comes up, I always tell my client, go talk with him about that. Go talk with her about that. And then find out what, what you guys agree upon and then bring it back to us as the lawyers. And then we can draft uh, around your understanding. Because at the end of the day, those two are going to have to live with each other going forward. If you want to have a successful practice, it's got to be based on trust. Mm-hmm. You don't want, if, if somebody feels like they got such a, a, a much more, a much better deal than the other one, they're always going to feel like, it, you know, somebody took advantage of them. And that's not, and it's not a good way to sort of relationship. Of course. I always like to refer to it as being business married. Yeah, great term. I agree. Because once you start bringing someone on, what's happening is now you're in this position to where it's, they're also trying to have some kind of say or pull and also involvement in the business. Of course, if they're a minority owner, it's, of course, the majority owner is going to have more of the say here from most, and when you create the buy, sell or the shareholder agreement that's out there. But then if, if there's a conflict in personalities, where I think like CJ and I, when we work in our business so well, it's like we, we're almost like brothers at the end of the day. So like we could literally fight with each other and then come back around and give each other a hug and high five and like we move forward <laughs> right? And, and, and then be able to figure it out. And have you seen a lot of people when they are looking to create this where there is just like a big clash in personalities and it doesn't seem like it's going to work? No, I, I actually so I, I haven't. It, it, it does happen, but it's... It, I can probably count on one hand the times that it, it has happened where you have a practice owner who is very confident in himself or herself. And when the associate, the, the associates coming on board, they're not as open to some of the suggestions that the associate has. And it's like my way or the highway. You don't see that that often though. I have had that experience, but normally there's a conversation that goes on. They're excited about it. I'll give you two examples. I have uh, I represent a practice now where my client is going to be selling a 10% interest to one of their associates. And I actually spoke with the associate who's going to be buying into my client's practice just yesterday. And I said, well, what is your goal? What do you want to do over the next five years, seven years? And, you know, he was he's actually very candid. He said, you know, I'm not... I want to buy in. I, I do see some value in it. I'm very happy at how I'm getting paid right now. I can support my family. I get bonuses, but I really need to understand what the benefit of it, of owning 10% of the practice is going to be for me. And I said, we should speak with her about that. And then two, what's your path? Do you want to be the, no, do you want to own hundred percent at some point in time? Do you want to be a 50% owner or a majority? And he, you know, he, he paused. He's like, I'm not sure. I said, you should talk about that. Because if that's something that you both agree upon, we should have that in the agreement. So there is a roadmap for you. Because I've represented too many associates where they'll own 10, 20, 30%, and there's no road, no path for them to own additional ownership. Where if you can create it now, both parties can see, you know, they can create their own 
path going forward. Right. So it's again, it's go back and you know communicate, talk about it. Our job is to. I use this analogy, Tom, and I'm sure you you take a very similar approach. If I bring my dog to you know to my vet's practice, they're going to give me options. They're going to say, Pete, you can do this, you can do that. I will say, Doctor Smith, that's great. I'm not really comfortable with those first two options, but this third option, I, let's go ahead and do it. Our job is not to do the deal for you. Our job is to educate you on the issues, give you options, and you're going to come back to me and say, I'm not really comfortable with that. Let's go talk. Let's talk more about that. But these two, I'm okay with it. That, that's how we kind of take that. It's a collaborative approach so they can go back and talk with the other side, create their own deal. I find it fascinating that you're not running into a lot of people with conflict. And I, I will say one thing I have found that being a lot of people in vet med because they, I, I hear time and time and time again, I'm not very business savvy. I don't know much about business. I don't know about, and the communication factor, because a lot of them tend to be very introverted. Yes. That the communication side of it is really complicated for them because they're just they're trying to avoid conflict and they're looking for the easiest path of, le of least resistance. And I, I believe like communication, it's hard. It's like, it's incredibly hard. I struggle with it myself. And I'm, and I, I would say I was, I wouldn't say if I was introverted or not, but I've, I've gotten to the part where it's just like, you just embrace it. And I, I will say from a communication side, a funny thing I got conjecture into this is like when we can actively listen to each other and we're not going in there with our preconceived notions and we're trying to understand and actually have a, a discussion with someone versus it be like my way or the highway aspect of things. Right. You can very, you can have a very productive conversation. I, I will say the generation that is shifting right now that is selling out of their practice, working 30, 40 years, and they're just like done a lot of them tend to be sort of stuck in their way too. So it's like they're already have established thoughts of how they want things to be done. And then the new generation that's coming in over here trying to buy the practices, there is a little bit of conflict there, I would imagine. At yeah. Times, yeah. The expectations. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I, I, there, I, I agree with you in terms of there's a lot of communication can be a challenge a lot of times. A lot of, a lot of times with the associate buy-ins, the associate has been there for a while and they both know each other. And I, culturally, and that, that term gets thrown around very loosely, but culturally they're aligned. They, I can't tell you how many times I've heard, well, I, this, this is going to work. I love working where I, I love working here. I can't see myself working anywhere else. And they generally mean it. So they, they don't want to be controversial. They just want to get educated. Again, that's where counsel comes in, educates on the issues, ask questions. Oh, I didn't think about that. Oh, let me talk about that. And, and it's not saying to, to get in the way of the deal, but go back and talk with them about that. Why don't you, well, let's figure out this issue or figure out that, that issue. And also too, having in my, in my role, there's more than one party involved. You have either the buyer or the seller, right? Whoever you're representing. Then on the other end, there's the buyer or seller and their attorney. And we really try to want to be aligned with the team. So we're you know, having a good conversation with the buyer or the seller's attorney we want to communicate. We're not looking to be adversarial. We all have the same goal in mind. We want to get them to the end. We want to get them to a partnership that they both feel very proud of when it's going to set their practice up for success. How does the conversation typically start with you when you get brought in? It'll typically start by, depending on who I'm representing. If I'm representing an associate, the conversation is, you know, what, how much are you going to be buying? What's the practice value? How did you go about practicing the value, value in the practice? Usually the parties have already agreed upon the value. They've had it, they, you know, the practice owner has had it valued. They agree upon it. And then they're just really honing in on how much they're going to buy. And depending on whether or not 
they were at that practice is one conversation, or if it's new associate joining, it's a different conversation. Because if they're at that practice, they know the culture, they know how the practices have been, operate, uh, been operated. So during their due diligence, they, they, they're not as concerned about how the, the doctor or the owner operates the practice. If there's somebody new coming in, you wanna make sure that you know, culturally you're aligned, you have the same philosophy, how you approach, you know, approach your clients, medicine. So those, those are just two, two, two different conversations. But usually it starts about how much you're gonna buy and what the price is going to be. What is a takeaway that you could tell people right now that are considering an associate buy-in? Either it could be towards the owner, it could be towards the associate. Like, What's something that you would suggest that they could do from this conversation today? We really know who you're, you're going to be coming. You know, it, it sounds very amateurish, but really know who is going to be your partner. We always say in the legal world, the contract is only as good as the people are signing them. You want to know who you're going to let into your home. And when you, you bring, you're bringing on a partner or you're joining a practice, you want to know who's going to become your partner. Very, just like we said before, you're going to have that, you know, business marriage. It's important that, you know, you guys are aligned how, how you're going to approach your business. That's probably the most important thing. Everything else kind of falls into place. Well, to, to wrap things up too, and I'm, I'm going to make sure I include, if anyone you are interested to connect with Peter and his firm, if you want to have a conversation, I'll make sure that I include his information in the description of this podcast so you can reach out and say hello if you have some questions or need some counsel from him. Um, to completely shift gears here, I always like to ask a question at the end of these shows. If you had, were stuck on an island and only had could choose one food to eat, what would that food be? Mm, I'd have to go with avocados. <laughs> I love avocados. And I know that's a really wah, wah answer, but I do love avocados. I was going to say bananas, but I would go with avocados. I mean, avocados is good. I mean, I, yeah. I enjoy them. They're creamy. They're filling. Yeah. They have lots of fats in them. I mean, like, at least you'll be nice and healthy. You, you don't have to try and qualify my choice of food. Do you? It's okay. I do love pizza. But can you have pizza on an island if you're stranded? Come on. Yeah. I mean, you could. Oh, really? On your island, I could have pizza? I'll have pizza then. Okay. You can have whatever you want, Peter. <laughs> whatever pizza. you'd like. Oh, I love it. Pizza it is. <laughs> all right. I, well, I, I appreciate your wisdom on today uh, to the show and sharing all your insights. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to having you get on another one of the shows. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate you having me. I'm looking forward to. So Smarter Vets, if you are interested in wanting to connect with uh, Mendelbaum Barrett and you want to have a conversation around anything veterinary related, Peter is the person and his whole team can support you. Um, also, if you haven't liked our show or if you are a frequent listener of us, Please make sure to take this episode, share it with a friend or two of yours if you found this to be intriguing and interesting to you, because um, I'm sure they might find these, this information just to be just as valuable as you are. You do at the same time. But if you are interested in other topics, or have other things you want to hear about, make sure to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you through our website. This is Tom Seco, wishing you a lifetime of financial success. Don't forget to visit our website and sign up for our newsletter. By subscribing, you'll be the first to know about upcoming race-approved CE webinars, podcast releases, short presentations, and articles that we publish. Make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on LinkedIn, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.
CJ Burnett and Tom Seco are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, and financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. CJ Burnett's and Tom Seco's California licenses are 0K79676 and 0K80141, respectively. Security products and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, a registered broker-dealer, investment advisor, member of FINRA and the SIPC, and a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Florida Veneer Advisors is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. This podcast is for information purpose only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Florida Veterinary Advisors, and opinions stated are their own. This material is intended for general use. By providing the content, Park Avenue Securities LLC and your financial representative are not undertaking to provide investment advice or make a recommendation for a specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. The individuals associated with Florida Veterinary Advisors do not maintain specialized licenses or qualifications for the financial services provided to veterinary professionals. Florida Veterinary Advisors is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. 2023152748 expires March 2025.